The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. No one. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filippone. All right, thanks for being with us. First and Pod, Andrew Filippone, Danny Parkin. Subscribe, rate, review every team, every game, every week. And we're past the bye weeks at this point, so everyone's playing. We're recording this at the end of Niners and Seahawks. My condolences, by the way. To the Gino? Yeah. 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 The Niners are good. They're really good. And the Seahawks defense is really, really bad. Again. So so I don't want to make any, like, grand Brock Purdy proclamations, which I feel like some of the talking head shows will do on Friday and be like, not that he's great, but just like, oh, I wonder if the Niners found their franchise quarterback with the last pick. Or, man, Brock Purdy, maybe he'll be the one holding the Lombardi trophy at the, at the end of this. Like, nothing about this game, really, even though he was efficient, told me that it was Brock Purdy. There were a lot of, like, wide-open throws that he made. Uh, but I do think the Niners can win. I'm not – win at all. I'm not saying it's because of the quarterback – but the team is just so damn impressive. And I felt that way the whole time, honestly. 
Well, Bill Cowher has already brought up Tom Brady as a six-round pick and what he was able to do. So he would not be the biggest name to go off the deep end here with Brock Purdy comparison. No, I don't. Like I said, I, very little of this has to do with Purdy. He just he just didn't make mistakes tonight. Which honestly makes the Trey Lance trade up all the more confusing because I talked to a lot of people in the NFL that say Kyle Shanahan's system pretty much any quarterback can go in there and play well. Well, then why the f did they give up so much? to get a guy that hadn't played real football in like two years. It still okay, makes so that. I keep, I keep hearing this argument, and I don't remember if I said this on the last pod with you or not, but I I obviously covered Andy Reid for a while. Andy Reid was this quarterback whisperer, this quarterback maximizer, right? He won with Donovan McNabb. He won with Mike Vick. He won with Kevin Cobb. He won with Jeff Garcia. He won with Alex Smith. But he still wanted – the elite talent that he could mold, Pat Mahomes. And as soon as he got him, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, a Super Bowl, an MVP, and a Super Bowl MVP before he was 25. Like, Kyle Shanahan's not seen as a quarterback whisperer in the same way that Reed is, but he is seen as a guy who, even without anything special at quarterback, has been able to produce, and he still wanted to take a swing at something special and something that he could mold from the beginning so I feel like if the offensive genius who is successful without the great quarterback still tries to move the mountain for the great talent at quarterback, my guess is they know more than us on this. And if Kyle Shanahan actually had a special talent at quarterback, they'd be by far the best team in the NFL. You know, he'd be 15 and two, like that type of thing. So I, everyone is saying like, oh, then don't try to get something special at quarterback. My thinking is that Shanahan's probably like, yeah, you, you're you impressed with what I'm doing without anything special. Imagine what it would be like if I had somebody. Well, and, and, the, and, and the defense is really the bigger story there because it's the best in yes. the league. Yes. And that's not that's not considered to be Shanahan's calling card. And plus, Salah had left you know, a couple of years ago to become the Jets coach. And now it looks like Ryan's the defensive coordinator there now even in a league that skews higher the offensive guy's head coach is probably going to leave the nest next and become a head coach this offseason. But, you know, the the Purdy thing, I was making fun of the guy up until this game. I was saying things like, he reminds me, remember Kyle Allen in Carolina a couple of years ago? Yeah. Like, I remember watching Good Morning Football. I don't know why this just seared into my brain. And Peter Schrager, like, ranked him as ahead of Josh Allen as, like, quarterbacks from that draft class like mid-year that happened I wish we could like find that because people do that with me I want to find a picture of that and just anytime he tweets an opinion just put that out underneath (laughs) it you know what I mean yeah yeah um so I I did think some of that was going on with Purdy in those first game first game and a half but for as bad as Seattle's defense is Danny they do have an elite corner and it was a road environment in Seattle, and I was not sure how he was going to handle that. I thought that that me on a short week, he wasn't completely healthy, that he might freak out and panic. But to his credit, he didn't. So, uh, One more thing that I, I want to kind of revisit here. Christian McCaffrey is just stringing together great games. Yeah. And we talked a lot about that trade and whether or not it was an overpay. I liked it more than you did given the position of the team, but they are a team and a system, to your point, where a bunch of different levels of caliber of talent that running back have produced. 
But then you, again, put an elite talent in there. And I think it's three straight. It might be four straight. But really strong games from McCaffrey. Um, It might not end up mattering with the quarterback injury and how good Philly is. And we'll see what type of production he can have, you know, on the road in Philly if we get that NFC Championship game against that defense. But you have been able to, if, if you could do anything against Philly, you could run against them. McCaffrey might end up with the Debo Samuel injury, with the quarterback injury. He might end up being like the most important offensive player in the NFC playoffs. Mm-hmm. But that's, that is absolutely in play if San Francisco makes a run here. Yeah. And one note, final note on Seattle. Okay. This really, this loss makes it more likely that we get all four NFC East teams in the wild card, I mean, in the playoffs. And I think from a matchup perspective, outside of Dallas, Tampa Bay, which we said would just do incredible ratings, even if Tampa Bay's like eight and nine or whatever. Uh, Minnesota Giants, San Francisco, Washington. I mean, those are just, do those, those are games, guys. those are not great games at all. No, they're terrible games. I'd rather have Seattle and Detroit just for the fun factor of what both of those offense offenses and offenses can potentially do. In a uh, absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about it last week. The Lions would be favored over. I said all but three NFC teams. You said all but four, and Seattle obviously has the Geno story. So yeah, they are both much more interesting than the third and fourth teams in the NFC East. All right, let's get to the slate. Dolphins-Bills are probably the highest profile game. Bad weather. Dolphins coming off just a couple of duds. Do you think the Dolphins are screwed in this spot? Do you think this is the the reckoning for them? That's what it feels like going into it, that this is where the bottom falls out for them and like everybody gets on your very early hey, here comes the reckoning with their schedule with these three road games, and you called it, and I hopefully you made money off of that. That wasn't just you saying it. Hopefully you backed it up with your bets. I have. But, good. But I didn't think that this game, doesn't this feel like everyone's underestimating? The total's 43 and a half. There oh, not when I bet it, buddy. I bet, I, I bet, I bet over at 42 and 42 and a half. Well, the, that might end up being like 35 because they're supposed to get a blizzard that night and 40 mile per hour wins. This might turn into a Patriots-Bills Monday night game. The forecast is kind of vacillated on how bad it was going to be. And so, so, yeah, I was bragging on the number at 42. And if the forecast goes against me, you'll be right. And if the forecast is better than expected... And what does Buffalo do in that situation if it's really that bad of a weather game? Do they still say, hey, Josh, run it 10 times in these conditions and just blast into their front seven? I mean, yeah, I I mean, yes. And how effective is he going to be throwing? Obviously, they're much more of a passing team than a running team. I just I think that the Dolphins offense can still be is still fine. It just got very overrated playing against bad teams. Well, is the Bills offense overrated right now? Uh I mean, I I think they turn the ball over too much to be 
a great offense, but I mean, aren't they the highest scoring offense? It, other than Kansas City, right? They're the highest scoring offense in the AFC. Oh, in the AFC, they might be because I don't think Cincinnati's caught them yet. But I yeah, thought you meant, I, like not in the NFL. Philly's averaging a lot more points than they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. But I think I think in the AFC, it's still Chiefs then Bills. I mean, it's been a while since he had a three hundred yard game. He's yeah, not had a great game in a while. So no, both have been trending down for sure, which is why the totals lower and then the weather and the whole thing. But I, I think it's a little bit of an overcorrection. I think I think goofball McDaniel goes in there and wins like a twenty to thirteen game with a make it colder t shirt. He's blasting the air conditioner. I want to see him win this game. I really do. I I liked him from the beginning. Yeah, he's great. Cowboys, Cowboys, Jaguars. Cowboys signed T.Y. Hilton. Odell Beckham still doesn't have a job. You like this move? No, because I didn't even know T.Y. Hilton was still interested in playing football. The only reason I did is because the Bears receiving core was so pathetic before the season. We were like, what veteran? Like, they need an adult in the wide receiver room. Who's available? Oh, T.Y. Hilton hasn't <laughs> filed his retirement papers. They hired Matt Eberflus. He knows him from Indianapolis. Maybe that'll work. And they didn't but even now you it. feel like you're validated on some level that like a contending team brought in a guy that you thought about for the Bears. We talked about him in like August. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the only reason I knew that T.Y. Hilton wasn't officially transitioning to whatever his post-career is going to be in football. But uh, I think that for all of the column inches and airtime that was dedicated to Odell Beckham, there will be like one one millionth of them dedicated to T.Y. Hilton. And the reality is they probably will have roughly the same amount of production for the Cowboys with T.Y. Hilton playing and Odell Beckham not being in the NFL. Like I don't, I don't see veteran old coming off injury, coming out of football, T.Y. Hilton for a run first offense where he's going to be like at best the fourth option in the passing game because of how much Dak likes throwing to Dalton Schultz. Like, I just, I don't really see a scenario where T.Y. Hilton's a difference maker. Yeah, and then Beasley in Buffalo too. It kind of feels like to me that teams obviously watched what Odell did in L.A. last year and what Antonio Brown did in Tampa the year before that. And it's like, hey, both of these Super Bowl winning teams added these veteran receivers to just add to their team and add even another weapon late in the year. Why don't we do the same thing? And I would just be stunned if Hilton really makes a difference there. It's almost like Jerry Jones had teased his fans and made it seem like they really needed another wide receiver all year. And he felt like he had to give them something. Yeah. Yeah, just just throw a dart. Maybe it hits. If not, like minimal upside, but really no downside. So yeah, just, just take a shot. Speaking of Dallas... I loved what Micah Parsons said about Jalen Hurts. You think he's right? So this is a, so do I think he's right? So do I think that, that Parsons brings up something about like what really, like how we should pick the MVP award? I I think he does. Yeah. Like you're saying you like it more because like, I'm not intimidated by you. I want to get in your head before we play you guys. Both reasons. Both reasons. One, I am always pro-trash talk. 
like the guy on the the tackle on the Eagles was like, we don't play the Chicago Micah Parsons this week. We pay, play the Chicago Bears. Like he should worry about his team. We'll worry about ours. Like man, f that. That's boring. That's that's what coaches are supposed to do. Like yeah, Micah Parsons is just like hanging out loose with Von Miller, trying to be funny, and he talked trash, and it was awesome. So like, two thumbs up for the trash talk component and the rivalry. And even if he was like, I'm not trying to make enemies. Like, yeah, whatever. It was fun. It's funny. Sports needs more of that. So love that. But then also, I've been talking about it all week on the show because like our big thing has been, and everyone's talking about like, how are the Bears going to turn Justin Fields into Jalen Hurts? And the Eagles have surrounded Hurts with the best offensive line in football. And they failed with Jalen Rager and they missed on drafting Justin Jefferson, but then they drafted Devontae Smith and they took another mm-hmm. shot with AJ Brown and running backs and offensive minded head coach. And they've done everything possible to surround Jalen Hurts and his numbers are great and his production is great and he looks great. But I feel like there are like 40 quarterbacks in the world who would look really good in field. Well, I was just going to say, I think if you put fields on the Eagles, they probably have the same record. That's especially if it's next year's version of Justin Fields. So I don't think he can be, so that would, that would work against him for me in the MV in the MVP voting for, for me too, man. Like a man. And just think about the guy he's competing with, like forget fields. That's just because I was talking about it on the radio show in Chicago. What do you think Pat Mahomes' numbers look like if he's on the Eagles? Yep. The guy would have 6,000 passing yards. Now I will say that, the the one the the one thing I will disagree with you on in terms of Parsons is that there is a huge component for me of man everybody gets everybody looks at the Cowboys as a team that there's too much talk and there's not enough walk they've literally been that team for like thirty years and you're only making it worse when you go out there and do and say or do something like this if it were flipped. And the Cowboys were in first place and they had beaten the Eagles this year. And Parsons is like, nah, man, he's not the MVP. F that. Look at the team around him. I'd like it more. But dude, you're the Cowboys. Like, you guys talk shit all the time. Terrell Owens, you never fucking got it done. Last year, you let San Francisco come into your building and fucking beat you. Like, I mean, Michael Parsons just doesn't give a shit about Terrell Owens. Like, He's hanging right. out with Von Miller. Well, he's wait he's a bit. punching up, right? Like he's, they're the first place team. I'm not afraid of you. He's trying well, to ride. He can talk shit if he wants, but I can make fun of him for it when they haven't won dick. I mean, I'm allowed to do that. Well, you're allowed to do whatever you want. I just. But that's, but that's a. I that's have a, a longstanding pro- rule of being pro trash talk. Fair enough. But like, it's not hard to rebuttal what he's saying in terms of, dude, scoreboard yourself. You might have a defensive rookie of the year award and you might have a defensive player of the year award coming your way. But bro, you play for the Cowboys. You play for a team that is notorious right now for always choking in big games. You might yeah, want to win one of those before you talk shit. That's all. Yeah, oh, fair, fair, fair enough. I I I that would that would be a great I mean, if a Bears player said, fuck Aaron Rodgers, he sucks, you'd be like, dude, how about you beat him one time before you bust his balls a little bit? Uh, I would say that, but I would also say thank you for the content. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't look at content gives horse in the mouth. Thank hey, you for the way- content. Now I'm going to rip you for providing us with this content. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, what you just said, 
it would have been awesome if someone on the Eagles would have said that about Parsons as opposed to they're like, man, we have the Jaguars this week. Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. Get it, get it, get into the rivalry. All right, next game. Bengals Bucks. How much of Tampa's struggles should be blamed on Tom Brady specifically, his play? So I think more than he's actually getting blamed for. And here's my reason why. He can't move. So right. even though their offensive line is bad, and I do I yeah, but I do think still given the receivers that they have. I do think some quarterbacks would play well there. We just talked about one. If you put Justin Fields in that offense, they're scoring more than 17 points per game. I'm convinced of that. Oh, he's running. I mean, dude, he's scoring more than 17 points per game in this offense. He's running around. He's throwing to Godwin and Evans and Gage and those guys. And they're much better. (laughs) Much better. So when I hear the offensive line sucks, and now Byron Leftwich sucks, after he was so good last year that everybody was cool with just letting Bruce Arians go and promoting Bowles to head coach because Brady evidently didn't want to play for Arians anymore. Well, okay. To me, like, you can't have it both ways with this. You can't let Brady off scot-free with this where when he's a statue back there and that only compounds the issue with their offensive line. Yeah, I think that that's all totally fair, and he probably deserves a little bit more criticism than he's getting, and there's probably not a ton of actual like X's and O's criticism around him because he's the GOAT, and then because of like the salacious divorce commitment to football, where's he going to play next year stuff, and because his arm actually has looked pretty good. like When he gets protection and he is throwing, his arm the last few weeks has actually seemed to look a little livelier uh, to me. So like he never was mobile, you know? So, and then, so then the offensive line for, falls around him. It's like in order for Tom Brady to be successful, he needs to be on a good a team with a good offensive line. So I think that it's like, well, what do you expect? Of course, when the offensive line is bad and gets injured, that's not, that's not the design. Like, you know, if, if he plays for a different team next year, he will only be choosing teams with good offensive lines because that's just what you get with Tom Brady. But it's also true that there are probably 15 quarterbacks, just to a random number that would be able to over to be able to compensate for what's going wrong in Tampa. That's like a sneaky fun game, by the way. I really like Tampa. I really like Cincy, uh, by the way. I feel like that's the square bet of the year right there. Yeah, I agree. Hello. Hi. That's me. Yeah. yeah. I will I will be on Cincinnati in that spot. Um okay. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Do you think Lamar Jackson, in a quiet moment, not in front of a microphone, a teammate, financial advisor, saw what happened to Kyler Murray and has second thoughts about playing the rest of the season? Uh, so we've talked a lot, you have, especially about how he's just like in this weird world and bubble about stuff like his contract. And it's like, no, I'm just going to go out there and play and not think about the risk. I do think that this changes some of that for him. So I'm going to answer that question. Yes. And I think that a lot of people reached out to him to tell him as much. So I do think that that let's, let's play it out. Let's think about this. Let's say he plays this week. Like, let's say he was playing. This week, next week, whatever. And that happened. He tore his ACL. What do you think happens this offseason? So, okay, that's a great question. Do you think that the Ravens still put the franchise tag on him? I do. So they're going to pay him what would be what? Like $40 million or $35 million, somewhere in that range to maybe not play much this year? Yeah, because I don't because th- you can't lose the asset for nothing. So you know what I mean. I, I I think he. I think he's at the point where now, if he suffered like an even worse injury, you know, which is super rare, but like you know, if he had a compound fracture, the bone was sticking out of his leg, you know ruptured the Achilles, you know what I mean? So, something like where like the, the athleticism and the recovery and the career was like legitimately yeah. in doubt, like injuries that are super rare. They, you, we go a season without having one sometime, you know? Um, but like, if you had like a Willis McGahee injury, you know, then maybe that changes it. But I, I think if he tore his ACL, I think he still gets the tag. You're probably right, but like I'm sitting here now, like reevaluating some of the things I haven't really said a lot about it, but just some of the things I've thought about Kyler Murray. And I just know when that happened, I was thinking to myself, like, man, is he like, I already have some questions about him as a quarterback. Now he's got a lower body injury, and I'm going to be even more skeptical of him. But, you know, why should I put so much thought into a torn ACL being a career. It's not changer for guys. Yeah, I know it, it, it. It's not with, but, but it also can't be totally taken for granted. Um, because the vast majority of guys come back now, but there still are the occasional ones where it, it'll happen again or. Oh, one of my never- best, fr- one of my best friends, Zach Banner was the Steelers starting right tackle who tore his ACL in New York on Monday night football and lost his career because of it. Yeah. So Tariq Cohen on the bears. Yeah. Another never good came example. Back. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all about agility, short area quickness. He was rehabbing. It popped again. That was it. And it, and it's done and he's out of football forever. Um. So yeah, it's like, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but probably nine out of 10 regain a hundred percent of athleticism as long as you're still like young, you know, and maybe the older guys regain X percentage of athleticism, but still come back. But there's a small percentage that don't, but I, 
for Lamar specifically, I don't, I honestly don't think that type of injury would change anything for him, as crazy as that is. All right, so the Giants play the Commanders uh, again. We obviously just saw this game. Which of these teams, if you had to pick one, has a better shot of winning a playoff game? Dude, this is this is a tough one for me, but I actually think so. Hear me out on this, right? Okay. So I think go. so I think Washington is going to win this game. But it's actually, I think, I think it's the team that finishes seventh that is going to be in better shape because of what you said about San Francisco. Would you rather be the sixth seed and go to San Francisco wild card weekend? Seven seed. But That's, you can't you're stealing my answer. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's whoever. So plays I think that's going to be the Giants. It's whoever plays Minnesota. And I'm not stealing your answer. I mean, I think we're both smart guys who. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. We didn't, dis- we didn't discuss the, the answer. Way. We 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 yes. talk on this podcast. No, I I know. I'm just saying I'm not going to have much to add. Uh, it is totally matchup dependent. Both of these teams are trash. Neither one of Which them. Which team could- do you think is actually better though, on their own? Washington. So do I. Yeah. I, I think, but I, I, but I think Daniel Jones is better than Heineke. Yeah, I feel like there's more. Uh, there's like a little bit higher floor uh, with with Daniel Jones. Obviously, Saquon can 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 dominate. Um, I think Washington's defensive line. I think McLaurin's probably the best like passing game weapon. Obviously, that either team has. It's not really close. Um, so yeah, I think Washington's a little bit more complete. I think the Giants record is inflated by fluky early season close games against bad opponents. But um, yeah, the answer is whoever draws Minnesota. And what do you think the line would be? I mean, it's tough because we don't really know about the quarterback thing. But like, what do you think the line would be for one of these NFC East teams at San Francisco in the playoffs? Is it more Double than a touchdown? for sure. Yeah. Double digits for sure. Yeah. I do. If if I mean if the 49ers continue to play the way that they have, I'm I'm like you're asking me if it was this Sunday, I think it would be. Yeah, I was so like, okay, I was at like eight and a half. So you think it, it's ten or more. Okay. Yeah. I mean I also think this. Who is the funniest team you can come up with who you think would be favored against the Giants on a neutral field on Sunday? Hmm. Because I think there's a lot of bad teams that the odds makers would say. Yeah, they're better than the Giants because of everything you said. New York got extremely lucky. Their roster really top to bottom is not impressive whatsoever. Would Arizona without Kyler be favored? And with Colt McCoy? Yeah. I I'm think they might. of the most I think, extreme, like the funniest one. I think the Rams with Baker Mayfield would be in LA. Oh, I don't know. That's a, that's interesting. After last week? That's interesting. Carolina, yes, because of their yep. defense. Right? Yep. Yeah, that's... They'd be an underdog in New Orleans. They'd be an underdog in Atlanta. Are you So you're asking, like, where would the Giants be favored on the road? Yeah, I mean, I think Houston might be the only, might be the only place. I think they'd be an underdog at Chicago against the Bears. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, they probably would be. <laughs> so we saw that game earlier this year it was 20 to 12 giants but yeah you're probably right this version of them uh god 
I hope both those teams don't make the playoffs. That would be pathetic. Colts, Vikings. All right. So the Vikings defense is appalling. They've given up the most yards and the most points in the NFL this year. Do we think their coach is doing a good job? I mean, isn't the answer isn't the answer no? So they're 10 and 3, and they have a negative point differential now in the season, but they could be the two seed. And you all year, when I've been talking to you about them being fraudulent, have been like, well, but they're winning games even though they're not playing well. So eventually they're gonna play well, and then they'll even win more games. But well, I just you- said well, I just said in the games themselves, they haven't played well. They've been lucky to win. But I kept thinking that they would eventually get to, like, they would finally, with the talent that they have, put together games that were representative of that. Right, but here's the thing, like, defensively, what yeah, maybe I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm putting way too much stock in what they have on offense when I say that. I know I am. I know yeah, I'm that, that. that's the issue. Like, they have to, they have to score 35, man. They, but how did their defense get this bad? I think how did that happen? I, I mean, I I should be able to give you like a few more specifics than than I can. But they you watch the Vikings a lot. They're in the same division as the Bears. What well, the that's, hell? That's happened? what I'm saying. Like what, they they have some high profile misses in their secondary, and they have been like the names that they have: Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter. It's just they're not playing up to their names and they're not like they're not great anymore. And then the rest of the guys, man, like who's good? Where's like the young infusion of talent? Patrick Peterson is another big name that everybody knows on that defense. Yeah, Zadarius Smith. Like they the names that they have are none of them are really I I, I mentioned Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Peterson, like People know the names and they play this like very soft, conservative bend, but don't break. And they just get picked. They're apart. breaking more than any team in the friggin' league. They're dead. Last, well, that's what I'm saying. But, but it's like, but like they, they don't get turnovers. They don't get sacks. They're not good against the run. They, they give up a ton of completions. Like the, the passer rating against those corners is astronomical. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I've honestly like, you know, never, I've never seen anything like it where you look at the guys on the roster and you think, wow, I, I said this at the beginning of the year. I picked them to go to the NFC championship game. They look like a really good team. Oh, the record's 10 and two. I was right. But then you watch them every week and it's like, what is this? Yeah. They've had, you know, the first game of the year against Green Bay. You know, I guess what they were able Which to do in Buffalo. Which them a lot of goodwill. What they did in Buffalo. Yeah. And then outside of that, they really have not played a 60-minute game all year. And have had high-profile duds the other way. Yep. The, like the, the Cowboys game, against game. The Cowboys game and the Eagles game. Yep. I mean, that, what was that Eagles game? It scores like 24-7 and it felt like it could have been 54-7. You know what yeah, I mean? that, that was the night where there were dueling Monday night games and they both sucked. The other one was Buffalo and Tennessee. And Darius Slay just destroyed Justin Jefferson. Yep. Just after he had that huge game against Green Bay. Yeah. It was so that that was just so they just whenever they played good teams, other than yeah, and we thought the Packers were good and they're not. 
They've looked terrible. All right. Lions-Jets. Fun matchup. Very, very fun game. Like, if you don't do red zone and you add a couple of TVs, like, I think this game would would get placement. It's getting the Iron Eagle treatment. It's getting the CBS number one one o'clock game treatment. I like that. Yeah. Fun game. Fun matchup. Um, who, what would scare you more if your team was playing against them wildcard weekend? Lions offense or Jets defense? So I know that I said I'd rather watch the Lions play than Washington or New York. But I think the right answer is Jets defense. Because Hmm. even though there was the 30-point game against the Bears on the road, you know, there was defensive uh, scoring in that game for Detroit. Uh, Oh, you're putting a lot into home road splits for the Lions. Yeah, there's just, it's, it's, it's. It's real. It's been a thing. Yeah. So I just think that the Jets, now I know they, here I am just ripping Minnesota a little bit. They scored 27 points against the Jets and beat them in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, but I don't know. I think Quinn and Williams up the middle and Sauce Gardner taking away another team's number one wide receiver is a pretty nice place to start for this take. It, <laughs> it is. Um, and I think the best argument is they held Buffalo to 17 points in a win and 20 points in a loss. Yep. So like, you know what I mean? I think, I think that's the, and that's in the last five weeks. So, you know, that's, that's, that's recent. That's how they're playing now. I, I do think that's the right answer. It isn't as fun as Detroit. Um, but both would scare you. Because the Lions thing, it's like, I mean, other than the Niners or the Eagles, I don't think there's a lot of even playoff teams in either conference that I would really think could shut them down. I'm real. That's why I'm really interested to see this week. Like, Do you think the Jets would put Sauce Gardner on Travis Kelsey if they played Kansas City? Um, no. But I haven't watched like every snap of every Jets game to know. Like, has he done that? Has he lined up even on like nickel? Has he lined I, up like on in on? I don't know. Receivers? It's just it's just to me like if they were in a game like that, would you really want to line him up across Juju? No, you know, like yeah, no, probably not. Uh, I I I don't know if Sauce Gardner has even gone in on slot receivers this year, much less tight ends. So my guess is that that's not happening because I feel like if he was doing that, it would be widely discussed. Um, that's an interesting thought. Uh, what do you think's more likely here, though? Like that this game is played into the high twenties or the teens? Like where 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 do you? Because if they can hold uh, Buffalo, I hate low, to burst. Yeah, I hate, I hate to burst your Detroit bubble because I know a lot of people that bet they're over this year and have just enjoyed what they've been able to do and have felt yeah, already cashed, about maybe. watching them. Yep. Jets over his cash too. But I think that I think that Goff is gonna turn the ball over like three or four times in this game and it's gonna get ugly. Hmm. Uh yeah, like I mean, we I- haven't seen that Jared Goff that caused the Rams to say yeah, we went to a Super Bowl with you. Yeah, we paid you. But 
F that, we're out. And they're smart, and they know what they're doing. So I think we get that Jared Goff, like, Super Bowl against the Patriots, Jared Goff, here in this game. Jared Goff hasn't thrown an interception since November 6th. He's gone five games without an interception. Was that the Giants game? No, he didn't throw a pick in that game. It was the Packers game. Okay. Well, and then overshadowed by Aaron Rodgers just completely turning into a turd. And then he didn't and then he didn't throw a pick the game before in the Dolphins game. So he has one interception in the last seven games. He's played mistake-free football, and that's with over 300 passing yards in three of the seven games. It's pretty incredible. It is, man. You know, so I I think your answer is right about the Jets. Could he win comeback player of the year award over Geno Smith based on Danny Smith's uh, Danny Parkins' belief that it's an award that if you just sucked the year before, you're allowed to win it if he ends up putting up monster numbers in the last four games and they make the playoffs? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, he's, he's putting up monster numbers. Jared Goff right now, I got in front of me. He's... Eighth in the NFL in passing yards, fifth in touchdowns, and sixth in QBR. FanDuel doesn't have the awards up right now because of the game that got played tonight. Just but man, I'd love to know where Goff is on that award when I wake up tomorrow morning. Yeah. If he's text even me. listed. Text me if you remember. Okay. I'd be curious. We don't we haven't made enough bets together on this show. Well, I'm afraid that we're gonna jinx each other. <laughs> this really I know, but I'm just saying, can we change that? Yeah, we can. I want to let's institute a new rule. We on on the Thursday show, we make one bet together every. We have to make we have to make one bet together that either and we can we don't we spring it on each other. We have to sell each other on it on the Thursday. I'm good show, with that. We have to sell some, one bet. Some weeks will be mine. Some weeks it'll be yours, and we have to both make it okay. honestly. Still, I think that's a nice touch. Okay. I like that. It's nice that we're developing bits 14 weeks into the season. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review. All right, Titans, Chargers. Titans missed the playoffs five to one. We like this wager. Well, what a segue into something that I actually wrote on there as a bet that I know you would like. <laughs> yeah, because I give but Jackson that, that, that for, to the record. The, the idea for the bit was something that we could pay off on Sunday show. Okay, like so oh, it's got it. Yeah. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, Jacksonville, if they win. Against Dallas, which I think will happen, will be six and eight. And if the Titans lose this game, they'll be seven and seven. And the Jags beat them last week. So here we go. Down the stretch, they come three games left. And I believe they play each other in week 18, the last week of the season. So. If Jacksonville's only a game out, they win that game in Jacksonville, they win the division. So they would just have to keep it where it is over the final two weeks before we get to the last week of the season. The Titans do have Houston, though, at home. Okay. Who else? So it's uh, at the Chargers, home against Houston, home against Dallas in Jacksonville. 
Okay, so you need Dallas to so you need Dallas to beat them to, for Tennessee to go one and one, and then who does Jacksonville have after the Cowboys? Well, so you, no, you're saying you need you need assuming they beat the Titan uh, the the Texans, so you're saying Titans would go one and three down the stretch, which gets them to eight and nine, and then you're saying Jaguars, Jaguars the rest of the way, Cowboys this week they're a four and a half point underdog. You like them to win. At the Jets, at the Texans, home against the Titans. So they need. So if if they the would Titans win out, okay. But listen to me. If the Titans lose to the Chargers, and the Jaguars beat the Cowboys, the Cowboys. yeah. They're if they both six. go one and one after that, and Tennessee's up a game going into Week 18, they play each other. If Jacksonville wins. They're tied, but the Jaguars would have swept the matchups in the regular season and they'd go in. That's look, it's five to one. It's not uh, the odds gotta be lower than that of that happening, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're the key variable here, though, is Jacksonville's gotta beat the Cowboys on Sunday for this to happen. And they're a plus one seventy money. And Trevor line. Lawrence is playing his balls off, baby. It's it's in Jacksonville. It's in Jacksonville. So do you want to make that the bet? I'd love it. I mean, I'm. Do you want to do Jaguars to... money line or Jaguars plus four and a half? Oh, for the for for this game. For oh, I'm gonna. Bet. Yeah, I'm gonna bet the money line on this game. I'm gonna bet Jacksonville to beat Dallas. You gotta have fun. I mean, four and a half. Anybody could do that. We gotta take it to our own. <laughs> Right? Yeah, but, but yeah, but if Dallas wins by ten, they both lose. So we got to put the we got to put the the we got to put right. our own. All right, Jaguars plus one seventy five is the and what a comeback that would be for our preseason takes for Jacksonville to run Tennessee down and for the Titans to just collapse that would, in the that last would be... month of the season. Yeah, Spencer, we would need to re-promote our, our AFC preview pod from week one when Pony's mic didn't work. That'd be, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Uh... Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, let's let's keep it moving here. Uh, Patriots and Raiders. Reports in Boston, Kraft might try and force Belichick to make coaching staff changes. Your thoughts? I don't believe that that's how their dynamic works. I don't believe it. 
I think that Bill Belichick would fire his own son who's on the staff if he felt like he needed to. So I can't imagine that Bill is very happy with how it's going for his offense this year. And if he used, if he drafted a quarterback in a questionable way in Mac Jones, and then he spent free agent dollars in a questionable way, like he did when he signed all the tight ends. And then he made weird offensive coaching decisions like he did this offseason. Like, there's going to be change. And I can't imagine Bill Belichick is going to be resistant to that change. He's going to be the one making it. Like, he's he's not satisfied with that. I don't believe that it's going to be like an edict from Robert Kraft when they have been the model of owner, coach, shadow executive that we've ever seen in sports. So I don't... I don't, I don't buy that that's where the rift is in New England. Well, Be- Kraft has told Belichick with players to do certain things, at least in one very prominent case that happened where Brady didn't want Garoppolo around anymore and yeah. Kraft pretty much made Bill trade him. But this really gets down to, I think, you say – Belichick's going to be able to read the room and and recognize what's going wrong and why it's going wrong offensively. I also just wonder, though, how stubborn he is at 70 years old. Like, because the outside world is saying Matt Patricia slash Joe Judge can't coach offense, and really, the accusation, though, more than that is Belichick can't do it because the presumption is Belichick is just like, calling the offensive plays and like using them as like figurehead offensive coordinators. Yeah. Like a proxy human shield, all that stuff. Yeah. In that respect, like you think Bill Bill Belichick is going to take powers away from himself? No. uh, But so he's going to be the head coach, the offensive play caller and the defensive play caller and just not have a coordinator. Kind of looks like what's going on there now. Well, yeah, it's not working, though. I mean, if if uh, Mark Davis had more cash on hand than would fire Josh McDaniels, he'd just hire him back. But he can't afford to buy off oh, the contract. Uh, that, I mean, if, if that happened, if McDaniels got fired, he would be the Patriots offensive coordinator again next year. Yeah. Of course he would. I love, though, that Mark Davis is just cash poor. I think that's a funny, like, under-discussed There's angle. so many great things about that guy. Yeah, yeah. His house, his haircut. He eats lunch at P.F. Chang's every day. (laughs) I mean, I like Chinese food, don't get me wrong, but the same chain restaurant? Right. And, like, you're in Vegas. There's just world-class chefs with Michelin star restaurants all over the city. Just P.F. Chang's? It's ridiculous. All right, do you think Andy Reid, Chiefs Texans, he pouring it on, or the Chiefs going to just pace themselves and get out of there with a win? I don't know Reed like you do well enough to figure out how he would approach a game like this. And let's say it got ugly early. Would he call off the dogs for uh, preservation's sake? Like, what's his mentality in well, situations so like, like this? Mo- so more so, it's been playing possum a little bit before big games. 
Like I remember we talked about that when they played the Rams and then they had the Bengals the following week. Yeah. Like he doesn't like to, you know. They came out flat in that game and had to like pick it up. Right. To win and pull away. Right. Right. Uh, But that's kind of been the MO uh, more so. Like the thing is the Chiefs don't have a big game the rest of the way. Like there are big games in terms of like, they need to win out to have a shot at the one seed and home field advantage and all that stuff. But in terms of, um, you know, it's at Houston home against Seattle home against Denver at Vegas. So he's not going to just like vanilla game plan, all of them. And none of those teams should realistically be a threat to them. They should all be fairly easy. So I think that because Mahomes like if there's any of that type of motivation, if there's anything about it, I think it's more likely that they try to make a statement this week because because I already bet them minus fourteen. Well, Hertz overtook Mahomes for MVP. Everyone's talking about how he's the favorite now. He threw three picks against the Broncos, so it should be a get. And you right think there. Mahomes is is aware of that? Yes. Can I ask you a question about Mahomes for a second? Sidebar. Yes. So our our parent company, Odyssey, has the Chiefs broadcast rights, correct? Yes. As part of that deal, Patrick Mahomes goes on our friend Carrington Harrison's show once a week, correct? Yes. Now, when I did the same kind of show with Ben Roethlisberger, now we did not have a relationship with the Steelers, and Ben would go on before Tomlin's press conference and just pretty much tell everybody what he wanted to get out off his chest and get out there before Tomlin had a chance to do so. So the timing of that interview was very deliberate because the quarterback wanted to get his message out before the head coach could get out his, which was great for us. (laughs) Huge ratings, huge revenue. We made a ton of money off it. It was amazing. It was great for our radio station. You say Mahomes cares about this stuff. Why don't we ever hear that from Mahomes? Like, why am I never hearing sound bites from his interview on the national TV shows? We have an interview with the guy. Does he just give Bill Belichick answers the entire time? He's he's pretty vanilla in that setting. Um, I thought he was really good on Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey's podcast. But and he if- knows Carrington now. He's done interviews with him for years. I stop clamming up, Patrick. Yeah. Well, so like my only, my only evidence is, you know, I mean, there's a few, there's a few things, you know, like against the bears when the game was on uh Sunday night football, first time he played the bears, he scored a touchdown. He did the numbers thing on his hands and he counted to 10 on his hands. Cause the bears, you know, had a chance to draft him. He thought they were going to draft him. And he fell all the way to 10. So there have been like little things like that where he's a super competitive dude. But yeah, he's he's pretty corporate, man. He's pretty, he's pretty buttoned up, dude. He's got all these national television commercials. And I also think that like, I mean, I don't know. This is psychoanalysis, I suppose, but like his wife's all over social media. His brother's all over social media. But a lot less this year. Yeah, They've for dialed sure. dialed it way back. For sure. But it it that stuff's 
bit him a little bit though. Interesting. He, you know, like it, he didn't, he didn't like a lot of how that all got portrayed and what happened specifically to his wife to, you know, his brother stepped in it a few times and deserved some of the backlash. And he seemed to be clout chasing a little bit. But like some of the stuff that like people were saying about his wife was like, just like kind of like the ugly stuff of, of the internet. And yeah. so I think, I think he's just like a little, he knows Carrington, but he doesn't know him. You know what I mean? Like I've heard him talk to, like I said, Kelsey's or even our guy, Adam Lefko and just be, be even more comfortable with like, you know, Adam Lefko was at his wedding. Like, you know what I mean? I think, I think he keeps people in like a pretty tight circle would be my armchair psychoanalysis of it. But I also feel like you're just taking a shot at like, you got so much out of Roethlisberger. No, Why I'm not. I, I, more no, I was, I was, I think I, that's what you're doing, man. No, it's not I'm not. Me. I just knew that you were, you had more intel into Patrick Mahomes and there's a appetite for Patrick Mahomes content. Dude, I will a good say. Resource on this. Yeah. Well, I, I will say when Carrington got that interview, I was like, dude, that's the coolest. It's arguably the coolest weekly interview you could get in sports radio when he got it, you know, a couple years ago coming off of the Super Bowl yeah. and the MVP season. And it definitely has not been as big as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and it's not like Joe Burrow's giving Colin Cowherd bulletin board material every week either. So I don't mean this is like an indictment on Carrington as a No, I don't. I'm, just, I'm like just busting both of your balls, honestly. All right, your game, Steelers-Panthers. What does Wilkes need to do to keep this job? Is there anything he can do? There should be. And you know what I respect about what they've done there? And look, he really got a raw deal with Arizona. And I think we see more and more that maybe the problem was Arizona and not Steve Wilkes. Maybe it's the Cardinals organization that is the problem here. They've never won a Super Bowl. They've only been to the one with, with Warner. Like, they've done something. Danny, they got rid of McCaffrey, and they've become a better running team. Why? Because apparently they've done this scheme change where, like, they're doing packages where there's seven offensive linemen on the field at the same time, and def- and defensive coordinators don't know what to fucking do with it. Like, this is a defensive head coach. Apparently he's listening to his assistant coaches, and they've come up with a strategy for a team that was trying to tank, and it's worked. Like, that's good coaching. It is It is good coaching. It's also not sustainable long-term. I don't know. I, mean, I hear you. Well, I guess, but like, well, it's yeah, not. maybe not sustainable. That's, that's with the mechanic. roster they have now, I would agree. With the roster they well, have now, it's not. But yeah. if Mike McDaniel were doing something like that offensively and it was getting Foreman and Hubbard to go for 250 yards in a game, we'd be praising them up and down for that, the media would. So Listen, I think that they're two separate things. I, I think that Wilkes should deserve a shot to keep the job. And if he coaches the guys up and overachieves, uh, that's the definition of good coaching, even if it's not in the best interest of the Panthers to win these games because they need a quarterback. And if they, you know, I mean, they already, they already have five wins. They've already won back-to-back games. Like they're probably not going to be able to get a top flight guy in this draft if they believe that there is a top flight guy. What if they draft. go eight and nine and lose the division on a tiebreaker? Uh, he probably deserves the job. Yeah, I would give it to him. But wouldn't you think that they would still be the type of team that would be motivated next year 
to want to just win two games for Caleb Williams. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's like a weird, it's a, it's a weird spot. Like, and, and, and here's the other thing about it. David Tepper is the second richest owner in the NFL. Yeah. Right. Like who cares about these contracts? You got a head coach. He's done a good job. Give him like a two year deal or something like that. If you think he does a bad job next year, even if your idea is to tank, if you suck next year and you don't want him around because you think you can get somebody better, then just get rid of him then. I mean, that that that's how I look at this. Are you embarrassed that the Steelers are a two and a half point underdog in this game? No, I'm not. I'm actually loving that. This I'm game ready is for, going to be unwatchable. I'm going to be there for it. <laughs> so I will be paying hundreds of dollars. Well, I, I actually won't. But who is? We could talk about that off the air. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. All right. You are going to... So that means do we have to lead with it? So you've gone to NFL games in back-to-back weeks? I am waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning to catch a lift to the airport to get to Charlotte tomorrow for this game. Yeah. Yep. That sounds horrible. Good for you. So what happens next for the Cardinals after this Kyler injury? Cardinals-Broncos. Congratulations to the Broncos for not being the focus of the depressing conversation of the week this week. What happens to the Cardinals? Uh, I think there's one thing that happens. Yeah. Don't you think they probably trade DeAndre Hopkins? What is the point of having 30-year-old DeAndre Hopkins now 31 next year if Kyler isn't playing the majority of the year and you're firing your head coach. Okay, so you're going to so let's so let's so let's go through this then. So you think Hopkins gets traded? Do you think that so Watt will be gone on well, defense? What's the, I I guess I should look up the dead cap on on Hopkins, but like I feel like he's still awesome. They gave up so much to get him. There's no reason to pay a wide receiver whatever he's at now 28 million uh, as a cap hit or whatever like assuming the dead cap number next year isn't astronomical I feel like you you gotta find a team like I mentioned the Bears on the show today I was talking about like how do you go about getting Justin Fields at number one I was talking about like do you trade for a Mike Evans or a DeAndre Hopkins type like because their situation just changed around them like if Brady leaves What's the point of having Mike Evans in Tampa? If Kyler's hurt, what's the point of having DeAndre Hopkins in in Arizona? So I I don't really see any reason why he dead caps 22 million. That's a big number, but it's teams have carried way bigger dead caps. Like if, if Arizona decides Yeah, the Steelers dead cap with Antonio Brown was close to that when they traded him to the Raiders. I mean, the Bears have over 80 million in dead cap space this year. So, I mean, you know, the Falcons, I think, are carrying like a 40-something million dollar dead cap hit for Matt Ryan. So, like, 22 is big, but it's – we've seen way bigger be be carried. Yeah, if you get the draft picks that you want back, you'll do that. Yeah, so I think – right, because it, do, it does still save him money because his actual number is bigger than that. So, that's, to me, the firing coach trading Hopkins – do you think there's a chance, they're a wacky organization, 
that they would bring just Kingsbury isn't done after this year contractually. Do you almost think that they would make him come back next year where the bad season where Murray doesn't probably get back in time for week one, go like five and 12 and then give a coach the year after a clean slate with a healthy Murray? Um, Because the job next year won't be that desirable if the coach knows that 2023 is just going to be a shitty year. So if you're already paying Kingsbury, why not just make him... Make him wear it? Yeah. Well, you said something there that I didn't even like consider as a possibility. Is it possible that Kyler Murray's back for week one? No, I, 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 I said he won't be, but like, what is it? Like an eight-month recovery? Nine-month recovery? On the, on the fast end. Yeah, so maybe he could be... Like, didn't Joe Flacco actually come back where he got hurt at the end of the year and was ready at the beginning well, of the so next that, year. But that's interesting. Like, if, if they actually think that Kyler's, like, a first four week of the season, like, not even starting the year on IR thing, then they might just try to run it back. You know, I, I guess I was operating under more of an assumption that so much of his skill is his athleticism. He's young. He's the franchise. That they're clearly not winning a Super Bowl. That they would slow play him fire the coach, free up some cap space, get some flexibility. I don't know. They're a weird organization. I could see them just bringing everybody back next year and taking one last swing at it, even though everybody on the outside world thinks it's a waste of time. Yeah. uh, Count me with the everybody in the world. Uh, You've been calling for this since like week three, maybe. Uh, Maybe even said it in our NFC preview pod. I don't remember, but I'll just give you the credit for it. Uh, Ritter's finally starting for the Falcons. What took so long? And where is Marcus Mariota? Well, didn't something come out where he actually needs knee surgery now, but he just didn't communicate that to them? That's like the, it feels a small, like it's a little bit of a cover-up. Because uh, he just was, time, the way Arthur Smith sounded yeah. earlier in the week. Yeah, so that, that story's weird. And like, what a short, I get being pissed and I get ta- like handling the demotion poorly. And, like, maybe taking a day to sulk. But, like, dude, what do you want to do? you want to be out of football or do you want to make 5 to $8 million a year as a backup for the next five or six years? Like, yeah, this wasn't like when be, Ryan be, Fitzpatrick. Be a pro. This wasn't like when Fitzy got benched for Tua and was having a good year and the Dolphins were winning games yeah. in Miami. So, pipe down, Marcus yeah, just, Mariota. Just a crazy if the reports are true, just a crazy decision. Like I bet you Marcus Mariota's agent was furious. I'm in, yeah, I'm interested in Ritter. I don't think this is a good first game from him because New Orleans defense has gotten healthy and they've actually played well their last couple of games out. And now they've had what well, they were on a bye last week, so they've had some time even to get healthier. Like I don't know, Danny Ritter had that. You always wonder, like, the guy that kind of has the it factor in college, if that translates into the pros. And I'll just say what, you, what you've what you said on this show a bunch of times about Hurts. Like, I mean, everyone's raved about his character and how he was a gamer and everything, but he got benched at Alabama and had to transfer and was a second-round pick. 
because of success stories like that, I think it makes people more open-minded to the idea that Ritter could be good. So we should have seen this probably from like week four on. And instead, we're only going to get the last four games of him this season. But that's probably going to be his audition. If not, they're going to just draft a quarterback next year. Decent, decent testing ground, though. At New Orleans, good defense in a dome, tough spot. At Baltimore, playoff team. Yep. They got playmakers on defense. Playmakers on defense. Obviously not a dome, tough spot to play. Then the last two games, Arizona, home, dome, a defensive win. Definitely, yeah, right. But should win expectations, right? (laughs) And then home against Tampa, who probably is locked into a seed at that point. But right now, they'll definitely be locked in, right? So there's – oh, no, they, they could have to win to yeah, depending on what Carolina does. Yeah, I mean, you already been raving about how you think the Bengals are the lock of the week. That puts the friggin' Bucks at six and eight. All right, yeah, you're right. Okay, game. so yeah, pretty good, pretty good testing ground for for Ritter. With can you make big plays? Like you don't need to be consistent. He can he can throw interceptions. You just need to show like can you be? Do you have a high offensive ceiling? And it's not fair to only to judge him on only four games, but. You know, he's not a top 10 pick. Yeah, exactly. Like, you have to you have to show it out in a shorter window. So it's a it's a pretty good, fair representative spot. Like no one crazy elite, no one terrible. Uh home games, dome games, things that should play to your strengths. So so it's a pretty good opportunity for him. So I would have liked it to be eight or nine games. He gets four, but it's a pretty good four. But we'll have an idea if he's a playmaker. All right, Danny, I'll talk to you when I get back from Charlotte on Sunday night after that classic showdown between Steelers and Panthers. Yeah, enjoy that 15-9 game. That should be fun. See you, dude. See you. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. Subscribe, rate, review, first and pod. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 